2001, Bjork, an Icelandic singer, showed up to the Oscars wearing a white, swan-inspired dress. A swan, as you may know, is an elegant white bird that enjoys floating around lakes and rivers. It's graceful. Bjork's swan-inspired dress wasn't made out of the real animal. It was made out of fabric by a designer. The swan's neck was draped around her own, and the head of the swan dangled near her shoulder. As she walked down the red carpet, all heads turned in her direction. That dress made fashion history. Yet, while some critics described it as creative, others simply stated it was pretty ugly. What did they mean by that? Was it pretty or was it ugly? We'll get to that in a second. Pretty ugly is an oxymoron. It is a literary device that contains two contradictory terms, pretty and ugly. By nature, oxymorons are paradoxical. They don't make sense. That's why I'm here. Today, I'm going to teach you 10, and more if you're looking for them, must-know oxymorons to avoid confusion in English conversation. And the context for teaching these will be my childhood Christmas memories. And yes, pretty ugly means fairly ugly. So not pretty at all. Hi, everybody. My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories. I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hope you're having a nice day wherever you are in the world. Today, you'll learn 10 must-know oxymorons to avoid confusion in conversation. The canvas for introducing these words will be a story about my Christmas memories. As a native speaker, I love oxymorons. I think they're funny, they're playful, and they create a sort of richness to our speech, sort of how idioms do. So I'm happy to do this episode. These are the ones I think you really need to know people use them regularly, and yeah, they can be confusing. So this lesson will have two parts. First, you will hear the story. It's a casual story, but you'll find all of the oxymorons in context. The reason I do this before teaching them is because I want it to be like real life. In real life, you'll hear words in context because people are saying them, but you don't necessarily know their meanings. You have to decipher the meaning based on what is happening in the story. So try to understand them on your own. And then at the very end, in part two of this lesson, I'm going to go through them. Now, the tricky thing here, the challenge I have for you, is I want you to find 10 of the 15 oxymorons in the story. What should you look for? 
As I mentioned in the introduction of this episode, an oxymoron contains two opposing or contradictory words. Remember, pretty ugly? If you're at home, grab a pen and paper to take note of the terms you think are oxymorons. In part two, I'll tell you all of the oxymorons that you heard, and you can see how many you got right. If you want the full list of definitions and example sentences, be sure to sign up to premium content that goes along with this audio. With season four, you'll get the bonus material for episodes 151 to 200. Each episode comes with the transcript, so you can read along with everything I say, a quiz, definitions of words and phrases, as well as the premium podcast player to practice your pronunciation. You can find the link to season four in the episode notes. Now let's begin with the story. I know that some of you don't celebrate Christmas, but bear with me. I'll teach new vocabulary as it progresses. In the United States, Christmas is on the 25th of December, not on the 24th, like much of the world. December 24th for us is Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas, the day the kids put out their cookies and milk for Santa Claus, and many religious groups go to church. Don't get me wrong, most families who celebrate Christmas also celebrate on the 24th too, especially if relatives live nearby. I, like my friends, grew up celebrating on the 24th and the 25th. One day for my mom's side of the family, one day for my dad's. We'll start by talking about the celebration at my dad's parents' house. As a kid, Christmas at my grandparents' house, my dad's parents, was so exciting. And it's hard to pinpoint what exactly was so exciting about it. Perhaps it was the feeling, the lights, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin playing from their stereo system. Maybe it was walking through the front door in my new Christmas dress and seeing all of the presents carefully wrapped under the tree. In general, everyone on my dad's side of the family has a funny bone. That's a funny way to say they have a good sense of humor. They're a seriously funny bunch of people. Have you ever known someone that tells a story for 10 minutes and then the story ends up being a joke? Now imagine that type of person again and again and again in the same room. I remember as my cousins and I played with our dolls, the adults, probably over 20 of them, uh, they drank their eggnog, spiked, of course, and they shared old news with a renewed sense of enthusiasm. Every story ended in an intense uproar of laughter. In English-speaking countries, parents often tell their children to keep their noise level down to a dull roar. At our Christmas celebrations, it was the other way around. The kids would have to tell the adults to be quieter. We couldn't hear each other. Which is interesting, 
I think there are some families around the world that eat dinner in a deafening silence. Our meals were always loud and boisterous. Fortunately, they always involved awfully good food. In fact, two of my relatives are trained chefs. As a kid, my Aunt Debbie used to prepare fancy dishes with foreign ingredients we'd never heard of. Then my Uncle John came into the picture. He used to own a catering company in Napa Valley. Boy, was that nice. He used to bring his team of cooks to help prepare dinner, and then they'd wash the dishes afterwards. How convenient, right? Now, I'll never forget his meals, especially his world-class jumbo shrimp. If I'm honest, since my grandparents passed away, Organizing Christmas with my dad's side of the family is like pulling teeth. It's like pulling teeth, taking teeth out of the mouth. It's hard to do. It's like pulling teeth. My mom usually tries. Uh, When we ask my cousins if they can come, they don't respond yes or no. They'll say things like, count us as a definite maybe which, even as a native speaker, is a frustrating answer. A definite maybe? Count you as a definite maybe? What does that mean? We don't know when they'll show up, if they'll show up. On one occasion, my cousins showed up to Christmas dinner at my parents' house carrying McDonald's. Burgers, fries, the whole shebang. After seven hours preparing in the kitchen, And seeing them walk in with their McDonald's bags, my mom was so mad. (laughs) Years have passed and she still talks about it. And when she does, it usually involves rolling her eyes and saying things like, Good grief, what's wrong with those people? (laughs) Oh, I can hear it. Let's just say it's not good etiquette to bring McDonald's to a dinner party in the U.S., I guess not unless it's planned and you're sharing with everybody. So far, we've had quite a few words. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Did you catch them? We're going to keep going. Around Christmas, my mom's house is warm and inviting. Strands of twinkling lights adorn the roof line. A wreath with vibrant red ribbons hangs on the front door. There's a soft glow from all of the candles she lights, and a beautifully decorated tree stands tall in the corner. Everywhere you look, there are nutcrackers, snowmen, and Santa figurines, a reminder that Christmas is near. She really likes to decorate. Our house has always been a meeting place for her side of the family. Everyone comes to us on the 24th. Now, we're not a huge group. We're what we'd call a small crowd. We still eat some terribly good food, though. Nothing like you'd find in a Michelin star restaurant, but good. Since we're usually sick of turkey after Thanksgiving, we opt for lasagna, salad, and lots of desserts. And just like my dad's family, everyone has a hard time keeping it down to a dull roar, especially when there's wine involved. 
Now, amidst all the decorations and holiday tunes playing softly in the background, there's usually a lot of excitement when it comes to opening gifts. Sometimes we play Secret Santa, which is a game that involves buying a gift for a person whose name you draw out of a hat. My mom's side of the family loves doing gag gifts. A gag gift is a light-hearted present given primarily for entertainment purposes. Let me give you an example. One year, after my uncle spent quite a bit of time in the hospital, he commented that he never wanted to eat jello again. Jello is that jiggly stuff, wobbly stuff, that is made of gelatin. Usually it's fruit flavored and it's a classic hospital food in the US. And it's what he had a lot while at the hospital. So, as a gag gift, my mom got my uncle a huge Jello cookbook. I think it was called The New Joys of Jello. After unwrapping it, he was clearly confused. But eventually, he caught on to the joke. It was a gag gift. The funniest part about this gag gift is that the following year, my uncle gave it back to my mom inside of Jell-O. He made Jell-O on top of the cookbook and gave it back. Which is really silly, but welcome to my family. <laughs> Fortunately, we now have a resident alien in the group, which I can't not mention something about this term. This term is usually used by the government, the U.S. government, to talk about people that are foreign living in the U.S. Resident aliens. All right, so I gave away one oxymoron. So Lucas, my husband, who is from Brazil, is a resident alien, which I think is just the most ridiculous term I've ever heard. But the point is, Lucas um, fits into our family parties now. He's the one who has his guitar. He plays songs on it. He does little sing-alongs for the girls. And occasionally I get in and need to help with the lyrics when he doesn't remember them, uh, which is usually pretty funny. Meanwhile, my mom usually asks someone to set the table with our nicest plates and silverware. It's Christmas, right? It's an occasion to use the nicest stuff. I can almost hear my dad trying to convince her to use paper tablecloths and plastic silverware to avoid having to do dishes. Glass, paper, same difference, right? Not really. Once again, she'd probably just respond with good grief. So how are your holiday parties? How are the traditions? Your people? The music? The food? The gifts? Can you describe all of that in English? Take a minute, pause the audio, think about it. If your memories are too bittersweet, let's just move on to the next section. Let's talk about the oxymorons in the text. Don't worry, you should not feel like a moron if you didn't get them all. Number one, seriously funny. In general, everyone on my dad's side of the family has a funny bone. They're a seriously funny bunch of people. Now, seriously funny means very funny. Seriously is just another way to say very. 
It sounds more colloquial, something you might hear if you're out on the streets. When we kept my dad up all night, he was seriously angry. That spaghetti was seriously delicious. See, we can get creative using seriously. Think of it as very. The reason this is an oxymoron is, of course, because serious seems like it's the opposite of funny, right? Seriously funny. Very funny. Number two, old news. Something can't be news if it's old. But what's funny about this is we use this when someone shares information that everybody already knows. Oh, that's old news. Did you hear Jessica and Josh broke up? Are you kidding me? That's old news. That happened years ago. All right. Number three, dull roar. Dull and roar seem like opposites. Think of a lion. It makes a very loud sound. It's very loud and out there. Whereas dull, there's a few things that come to mind. A dull pencil, which is a sort of flat pencil. It's not sharp. Or a dull person, a boring person that doesn't have much to share. They can be described as dull. A dull sound, we don't really say that, but it gives the impression it's weak or it's not really there. And at the same time, paired with roar, it just feels contradictory, right? So dull roar means a consistent, low, indistinct sound. When you are near a stadium, you might hear a dull roar. The sound of a large group of people making noise, but there's no distinct sounds of screaming or, you know, loud sirens or things like that. It's just this consistent noise. Usually we say, keep it down to a dull roar. Don't scream, don't yell, just everybody keep it down to a normal level of noise. From the inside of our office building, we could hear the dull roar of the marching band outside. Number four, deafening silence. Deafening silence means incredibly quiet, absolutely no noise at all. To deafen means to make deaf. Someone who is deaf is unable to perceive sound. They can't hear. When we say that sounds are deafening, it means they're too loud. They're making us deaf, which is why a deafening silence is paradoxical. How can silence make you deaf? How can silence be too loud? It's very profound, isn't it? It reminds me of that Simon and Garfunkel song, The Sound of Silence. I think there are some families around the world that eat dinner in a deafening silence. Our meals were always loud and boisterous. Let's hear another example. When the music stopped, there was a deafening silence in the concert hall. Number five, awfully good or terribly good. In many circumstances, awfully and terribly are not good. They are negative adverbs. They mean horribly, very poorly, or badly. For example, she sings awfully. 
She doesn't sound good. Her voice cracks. It's not pretty. However, when awfully or terribly appear before an adjective, they can mean very. Your pumpkin pie is awfully good or terribly good. Very good. That girl I met at the grocery store is awfully nice. It means she's very nice. So play around with these. Try and write some example sentences. If you have premium content, be sure to write your example sentences in the comments to get corrected. And let's move on to number six, jumbo shrimp. Now, jumbo is large. I'm going to take out a lot of money from the bank. I'm going to take out a jumbo loan. Or I'm going to order a jumbo sandwich at the sandwich shop. A very big sandwich. Shrimp, on the other hand, often is used negatively to describe someone who is small. So, for example, you can imagine a short kid that tries out for a basketball team. If current players on the team are mean and they want to make fun of him, they might say, hey, shrimp, you want to play basketball? What are you thinking? You know, something like that. Shrimp. So jumbo shrimp, big and small, it's an oxymoron. I said my uncle made amazing or awfully good jumbo shrimp. And in that case, I'm referring, of course, to the seafood, the very big shrimp. Next, we have definite maybe. When we say something is a definite maybe, it means that it's quite possible or likely, but it's not 100%. It's uncertain. It's definitely a maybe. To be honest, I think people have good intentions when saying definite maybe. It's as if they want to respond yes, but they can't commit yet. Remember my cousins? I mentioned that my mom invited them to Christmas dinners and they responded, count us as a definite maybe, which is frustrating, right? Because you don't know what it means. A definite maybe is a maybe. However, if someone responds to an invite I send to my party as definite maybe, I'd ask them to give me a definite yes or no as soon as possible. Definite maybe is too ambiguous. You don't know if they're going to come or not. Let me give one more example. My daughters asked me if we could go to Disneyland next week. It's a holiday. There's not much to do. I responded, well, that's a definite maybe. In other words, maybe. Number eight, good grief. Now, this is an exclamation. It's um, an interjection. That's the word. It's an interjection. It's something that you yell out or call out. And I'm just thinking of the Schoolhouse Rock song. Interjections show excitement and emotion, sometimes put apart from a sentence with an exclamation point or with a comma when the feeling's not as strong. Um, anyway, so good grief. Oh my gosh, why did that happen? I can't believe it. Good grief. Grief is something that you feel when you're very, very sad. Maybe after someone passes away, you go through a period of grief. You're mourning. It seems weird to say good grief, 
but that is an interjection. Number nine, small crowd. A small crowd means a small group. Were there a lot of people at the bank today? No, just a small crowd. Which is sort of funny because a crowd is normally a lot of people, right? So a small crowd, a small group of people. Number 10, clearly confused. Clearly is another way to say obviously. I used it in the context of my uncle opening the Jell-O cookbook, going like, why in the world would someone give me this book? I don't understand. He was clearly confused. He was obviously confused. The reason it's an oxymoron? They feel like opposites. Let's hear another example of how clearly can be used to mean obviously. Bjork was clearly happy that her dress was such a hit. My daughter was clearly upset when we didn't have time to go to the park. I hope you enjoyed that episode. The last five oxymorons in the audio were resident alien, which I already sort of gave the definition for that, uh, paper tablecloth, plastic silverware, same difference, and bittersweet. Be sure to sign up to season four if you'd like the full audio containing the explanations of those terms. Premium content is a wonderful way to improve your English drastically with each new episode. I love the support and also am happy to help you with your English. Happy holidays and until next year. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.